Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm Samples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. The lights. Almost forgot. Uh, TV lights on just for the podcast. Pretty nice to be able to do it with the remote. Oh, you got, wow. High tech, Matt. I just one more thing to break, though, Bruce. Remember that. My son put LED lighting around the... Holy moly. You guys, my room. It's great. You're living like it's 2022. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can make it blue and orange if I want on a order game nights or bright white for a podcast. <laughs> All right. The Oilers won. Yippee, three games in a row under Jay Woodcroft. They're looking like a better defensive team under Jay Woodcroft. And they look like a pretty solid defensive team tonight. The grade-A shots were 10 each. The Oilers had six five-alarm chances to five five-alarm chances for L.A. So a very tight game. The score was 5-2, but it was tight right to the end. It was 3-2 until um, empty net time. And um, we'll do uh, our two good things, two bad things, and two numero podcast. Bruce, what is your first good – what is your good thing? We'll just do one each. It's late. Well, I'm going to go with Zach Hyman tonight. I thought he was uh, – uh, this was a game that featured a lot of trench warfare – it seemed like, and L.A. was winning a lot of battles, but uh, Hyman was uh, uh, Hyman was very involved in this game and doing a lot of the grinding and pounding along the boards. And along the way, he chipped in on uh, uh, on six uh, Grade A shots for the Oilers, uh, including making a crucial play just to cause the possession that led to the gigantic goal that McDavid scored that you're going to talk about. I was just saying to uh, uh, my wife just before that, that this, you know, it had the kind of taste and smell of a one nothing game, the way it was going and the junky goal that King scored. And it just seemed like they were just trying to, trying to uh, just dig their way through the mud. You know, there was no clean ice. And it didn't seem like there was any clean passes and stuff, but but uh, Hyman was doing his thing along the along the boards and in the low slot. You know, he had uh, three shots and he blocked three shots with a tremendous amount for a forward. He had four hits. He had a, a massive four minutes and fifty seconds on the penalty kill, which Edmonton's penalty kill was on the ice for. That's the total amount of time here, nine minutes and thirty seconds. So they had a lot wow. of uh, a lot of time to kill. They, there was a lot of penalties called in this game, a couple of kind of junky ones. But uh, in the end, it didn't much matter because neither neither power play could break through. So kudos to Edmonton's PK unit, not so much to their power play unit, which continues to struggle. Uh, but uh, Hyman was a, was a big factor on that, and he. Uh, uh, he didn't get an assist on the McDavid goal, but ultimately he was rewarded with an empty net goal of his own uh, that really put this one away at, in the end. He made a couple of good plays there, one to just get it to McDavid and let Connor worry about the puck while he blasted down the ice and got open for the return pass and beat the defenseman for the tap into the empty net. And I thought a goal that was well-earned based on a, a very solid night's work, 10 seconds shy of a 20-minute game for Zach Hyman. 
and those were not sort of 20 soft minutes. He uh, uh, he uh, uh, did a heck of a lot of uh, of work on behalf of the team, and uh, I think uh, he could rightfully be considered one of the game stars. Yeah, I, they gave it to Yamamoto, and first man, star to Yam- Yamamoto, third star to Nurse. I was kind of surprised by That's both, to tell weird. the truth. Honestly, yeah, maybe they. Uh, yeah, they had Nurse blocking a shot at the end of the game, but I don't even I don't even know if the the LA King forward got off that shot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, Yamamoto scored a very nice goal, but I, Zach Hyman was probably Edmonton's best forward that game, arguably him or McDavid or Nuge. And Nuge, Nuge and he are such fantastic penalty killers. I get a good feeling when oh. they go out there. Certainly yeah. better than the feeling I had earlier in the year when Colton Sevier and Derek Ryan would head on on the on the PK. <laughs> The feeling of doom that started to come over us. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And Bruce, he is such a hardworking hockey player. Yeah. Uh, up and down the boards, winning pucks, hard in front of the net. It's, it's kind of a Ryan Smith kind of game. And uh, right, I, yeah. I really like kind of game. Yeah. He played that kind of game and they needed it. They really needed it because L.A. was just grinding and pounding away. And that was, they were quite comfortable in that style of game. And yeah, they have a couple of forwards now playing that game. Like Fogel played that kind of game. You know, his his you know he took it hard to the net on Nuge's goal, right? Yep. Similar kind of play. Fogel tends to lose the puck when he's taking it hard to the net, but um, he's playing that game. You know, Pulleyarvi can play that kind of game. Um, I don't know. Kane, we'll see. Like I'm still getting a sense of Kane's game. Whether you know whether that's his game or. Whether it's kind of punching guys in the face after a whistle, I'm not sure yet. I got to um, ask you about that. Was that worth the two minutes or not to pop uh, Brendan Lemieux? Yes, on? I liked it. I th- I thumbs <laughs> a lot up of people for that. Did. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it was the other. You know what? And I didn't think he actually deserved the other penalty. Um, he hit the guy's stick. That was weak. You know, you're allowed to hit a guy's stick, are you not? Like it's just yeah. called a stick check. Yeah. When he has the puck, you can hit yeah. his stick. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he was. I liked what he beaked off at the ref. That was a bad call. It was mm-hmm. a bad call. Yeah. And at a at a really tough moment, but the Oilers were able to kill off that penalty. Uh, I'm just going to build off what you were saying, Bruce, for my good thing, because mm-hmm. it is that goal um, uh, that Hyman initiated with a good board, play along the boards to, to help win the puck. And up until that moment, there's two minutes left in the in the second period. There had only been one five alarm chance all game long, and just a handful of grade A shots as well. It, it was um, a boring, tedious, dull, and frustrating game because orders were down one. And um, all of a sudden, there's this outburst, absolute outburst, ignited by a little bit by Hyman, and then by Pugliarvi. Like, they each build on each other's play. Hyman wins a little battle, and Pugliarvi kind of bursts into the zone. And, um, you know, the gets it over to McDavid for the initial play on net. And then Pugliarvi's just hard at the net and jams it on net for a fantastic chance of his own. And uh, is pushed into the goalie, and that's when McDavid simultaneously is putting the puck in the net. It was a fantastic offensive play. Um, two players two players mm-hmm. with high amount of skill going hard to the net, and McDavid draining the shot with his effort and fine hands. And... Um, that's what they need from Connor McDavid. They need him to score that kind of goal if they're going to win games, and he did tonight, and they won. Those were McDavid's only two shots of the game on that play. 
Oh but yeah. They were that was a crucial turning point for sure. And they once they punctured uh King's balloon, uh all of a sudden the goals started to come. But by, at that point there was what, two minutes left in the second? Yeah. And uh they say had one one uh um sort of five bell chance and LA hadn't had any. It was just trench warfare and the puck along the boards and just a whole lot of pounding and grinding and and uh, not a whole lot of execution. And even that goal, I mean, at first was there doubt, did the puck get over the goal line? I mean, it never made it in by more than about six inches. Uh, Calvin Peterson stopped most of it, but not all of it, but it certainly didn't reach the back of the net. And then there was the question of, was it challengeable? Were they going to challenge it? Pogliarvi had kind of lightly had contact with uh, uh, with the goalie, but he'd been pushed into him. And but you know how these calls go in these, uh, especially these, against California teams, especially against LA. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my friend Low Tide was talking about a couple of calls on on uh, Twitter, and I just said, "Welcome to the Hotel California." <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this movie before. Yeah. Anyway, that. Uh, that was a huge, massive turning point in this game. What is your bad thing, Bruce? Yeah, I'm going to go with the first LA goal. And I I have to criticize Mike Smith, uh, who did bounce <coughs> back and play a key role in the win. And he played well uh, overall. But he could hardly have played the first goal any worse than he did. And he, he was... In the first period, he was kind of all over the place. Like twice he iced the puck. I mean, how often do you see the goalie ice the puck twice in one period? And uh, his passing wasn't sharp. And he, you know, he came out to control a couple of pucks off the boards and he wasn't really able to get a hold of them. And then on this goal, he did come out to play a puck behind the net and he kind of, he kind of barged in front of Lagesson to get the puck. I was yes. like, I want this puck. And then he passed it to where Lagesson would have been if he hadn't cut him off in the first place. And it just went right to King. Well, that was the beginning of his problem. But then he scrambled back into his net, David. And the guy who got the puck in the corner sent it in front. And the shooter, if we can use the term, uh, Arthur, is it Taliyev? Arthur, Arthur Kelly, you have a big Kaliev. score from the Ontario yeah, big, hockey. Yeah, big time scorer, great shooter. This was not a great shot. He almost completely whiffed it. And he slid this slimy, slithery little uh, slider of a shot towards the goal just inside the post. And Smith, I don't know what he did because he had his pad there. And all he had to do was leave his pad there, or he had to just move his goal stick about six inches to the left because the puck was literally sliding along the ice. It had nothing on it. And somehow he made a move where he tried to stomp down on it with his glove, like a little kid playing goal that didn't know what he was doing. He seemed trying, <laughs> trying to hold it down on the ice. And he moved his leg while he was doing it. He missed the puck with his glove, and it slid between his leg and the inside post. I mean... It was dreadful, David. It wasn't even a, sometimes I classify them, you know, as what level of hockey are they? You know, AHL, ECHL, UHL. This honestly was a beer league goal. It was brutal. I think the worst goal against the Oilers all season. Of course, first goal of the game. We know that that really isn't that important with these Oilers. 
Anyway, take uh, full those... credit to Mike Smith. He bounced back hard. He made some big stops, and he made some 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 clutch saves down the stretch as well. But boy, was that awful! Oh, boy, isn't it, Bruce? And and it, you know, my theory is when you get a goal like that, it's hard to come back. Mm. And so there's an example where that goes against my uh, what what I was what I was thinking. We can bring this one up for stinker goal against, but the Oilers w- mm-hmm. were able to bounce back. Um, so yeah, and you got to go easy on those beer league goalies. They, a lot of yeah, them, a beer league goalie would be, sh- would be ashamed of that. Yeah, oh, most yeah. of them would stop that. I mean, but the odd one slithers through where you go, well, how in the hell did that happen? I mean, at least it wasn't like my, Michael Layton playing dodgeball in overtime at game six in the Stanley Cup finals against Patrick Kane. It wasn't, you know, that level of not now, um, uh, but it, it was the timing wasn't good and. It left me with a very sort of shaky feeling about the net binding, and actually, I'm a lot calmer about it now that the you know not only is the win in the bank, but the way Smith himself bounced back, I thought he was better both stopping and handling the puck after that, like it was a wake up call for him. It sure helps when there's a salt, pretty solid defensive effort. I think particularly from the forwards on the orders, you know, they've really picked mm-hmm. it up in terms of their um, defensive commitment and. Um, Maybe their defensive understanding, even like if, if if Woodcroft has come in and really simplified things and and created a, a a more basic kind of system to follow. I don't know what they've done, but I mean there there was talk that they were going to just have a simpler system, like it sounded like a simpler system where the centers just play center more, you know, um, in the um, neutral zone and the defensive zone, helping out the defenseman. Um, and sticking to that and that's what i've seen so it looks like it is that kind of more simple system and it seems to be working i mean they certainly have cut down on the grade a shots in the last couple of games and like how many two-on-one rushes bruce remember remember the last few run of games with the uh with the oilers i don't was there any i don't think there was an odd man rush for the kings all night not really and, there was guys with wide speed but no, i wouldn't call anything that was sort of an odd man rush out of that yeah, you know the guy might have had you know would win a race to the corner, and he might have a free look at the net from you know the beyond the dots. Well, that's not really that dangerous. You expect your goalie to clean that up, and there was nothing uh, really that resembled an odd man rush. A couple times a guy left alone in front, though. But there was yeah. there was that that yeah. that'll happen. I mean, it's a fast game, and mm-hmm. these are NHL players. They know how to get open and. <laughs> yeah. Well, my um, my bad thing is going to addre- actually address one of those moments. Mm-hmm. The Oilers had fought their way uh, early in the third to a or halfway through the third to a two-one lead, and um, scored a tremendous goal. I mean, Ryan had made a very strong play in the offensive end, holding the puck on the boards not throwing it away and then finding a player who was open, Warren Fogel, who took it to the front of the net and then it slid to Nugent Hopkins, who made a really nice play to score. So Evans is up two to one and you're thinking, okay, this is 10 minutes, you know, 12 minutes left. Big challenge here. Can you hold the lead? And, you know, no sooner had I started to think this is in the bank than LA scored and it happened. Uh, Jay Woodcroft had, his defenders were Philip Broberry and Tyson Berry which is, uh, you know, in the third period of a tight game, a f- tight physical game, that's a interesting pairing to have out there. But he's trusting his rookie defenseman, and he's trusting Tyson Berry. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of choice, is the truth. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, it starts off with Broberry throwing the puck kind of lazily around the boards and it's picked off. That's how they keep it in. And there's, you know, they, the others are on their back foot um, right after that. And the puck is sent down low to, towards the corner. And then there's a pass out front. And Tyson Berry, of course, is he spotted a guy way out to the side and he's motioning for someone to go cover him. But instead of covering anyone himself, he's in the, the red light zone, wandering around, not covering anybody and not covering off a passing lane. And the guy he should be covering gets the puck and scores. Now, Derek Ryan tries to get over there and cover the guy, but it really, Barry was in a much better position to stop that play, and he just was too busy ordering everybody else around to actually do his own job. So it was, a, and at the same time, the puck came up from behind the net, and it was uh, Philip Broberg who allowed the pass out. So it was a, an example of horrendous defending and that happens. I mean, these are NHL players. The puck moves really fast. These guys are really good. And you're going to make mistakes. But um, that's the kind of mistake that the Oilers will, that will kill the Oilers' playoff hopes. They've got to, you know, they've cut out the obvious two-on-one kind of horrible shooting yourself in the foot mistakes. But these are the mistakes that good defensive teams really uh, cut down on. Um, passes out to the slot for an open shot. And the orders did not. They did allow a few of them tonight, and uh, it's going to be a challenge because they have a lot of young defensemen, and they've got Tyson Berry, who's always struggled uh, on defense. You know, they have two solid veteran defenders in CC and Nurse. I, I would suggest, but Duncan Keith was high event this year, and their young defenders are high event. Maybe Logison and Nima Linen will step up and provide just really sound defensive play. But at this point, um, they've got a hole in, possibly a hole in net. Like we'll see Mike's, if Mike Smith turns it around. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't think they can go without trading for a goalie. But they've got a hole on defense too. They need another defensive defenseman. Unless Nima Line and Lagos and just start playing lights out hockey. And they played well tonight, but uh, we'll see. I gave, I gave Marcus Nima Line two bonus points on his grade, Bruce, for his hit on Dustin Brown. <laughs> <laughs> he was the highest rated orders D man. Brown yeah, Brown got a big piece of Nima Linen on that one too. That he was did, a, yeah. that was quite the Titanic collision. Second game in a row between the Kings and the and the Oilers that by far the biggest hit of the game was Nima Linen versus Brown. Gotta uh, love it. So yeah, on that goal, just to back it up a little further, uh it was a minute five shift for uh, Broberry and, and Barry. I looked it up because I thought Broberry looked like he was sucking wind at the end of it. And I thought, you know, it looked like, you know, what he would look like at the end of a minute and 40 or 50 shift. Uh, and L.A. had the puck and the Oilers couldn't couldn't control it, couldn't get it out. And finally, Broberry did get a chance and he came up the wing and he got it out all right, but he only dumped it about 10 feet outside the blue line. So he wasn't able to make a, you know, an effective, you know, either high loft play, you know, punt as I call it, you know, down into uh, over the other team's blue line and make because the change was short bench. He was the left defenseman. He was right there. Uh, but because I got out so far, far, they couldn't change. Uh, then it came back in and he made this sort of prayer pass around the boards, hoping that his winger would get there while the L.A. guy was waiting for it. And then when the puck went behind the net, he was probably standing uh, 
on the edge of the crease, not a bad spot, but he was watching it. Like, yeah. his stick was nowhere. Like, you need an active stick. You need to get, uh, uh, you need to uh, try and do something to cut out that pass. And it was like, I don't sure what he thought he was doing there, but what he was doing there was basically nothing. And the pass went right right by him and right on the goal scorer's head. I mean, you could say the same about Tyson Berry. I was focused on Broberry and saying to my wife about five seconds before the puck went in, Philip Broberry needs to get a change. He needs to get off. And that's why. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not great. Not great at all. So I, don't, I don't know what his endurance is, but that might be something he might want to focus some off-season training on if he's sucking wind off. I mean, it was a hard shift for sure, but it was only a minute five. D-men get that all the time. Yeah, well, yeah, it's he. It they do they do get tired, and he's probably stressed at the same time, right? So yeah. difficult play for a young player. What's your number, Bruce? Yeah, I'm going to go with. Oh, rats! I just have it up here, and I'll have it up again in a second. I think it's five eighty-five, and the key number, I guess, is three, because the orders are now in. Technically in third place in the Pacific Division for the first time in a while. Uh, tonight they moved into a tie with Los Angeles and Anaheim with 55 points. Uh, but Edmonton's played 47 games, LA 48, Anaheim 49. And Edmonton's 585 winning percentage, points percentage, pardon me, puts them into uh, Third behind first place Calgary, who passed Vegas tonight with their seventh consecutive win, and they are really on a on a steamroll right now, the Calgary Flames. And uh, so the Oilers are four back of Vegas with a game in hand, tied with LA and Anaheim with one and two games in hand, respectively. This was a huge win for Edmonton. Wow! And especially to come out in regulation. And, uh, you know, come yeah. out of California with four points in two games. And now they go home. With, it's odd. Usually they play three California games in a row. Well, they're playing three California teams in a row. But the third game against Anaheim is actually back in Edmonton on Thursday. Might as well be a road game because they're coming through Edmonton. And they're going right back out again to Winnipeg. But uh, that uh, it's just nice to see them in, in you know, back in kind of control of your own destiny to, as I, you know, when you're above the playoff cut line, it's a little bit of a more comfortable feeling. And they're all of one point ahead of Dallas Stars, who also won tonight, but they stayed ahead of Dallas with that win as well. So uh, uh, sometimes uh, uh, just holding your own on a night, and of course they gained two clear points on Los Angeles King, Kings, who are their most direct competitors. So to do that in their building... This is a huge uh, 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 result for for Edmonton. I wonder if Edmonton is going to make a move fairly soon here. I guess it's, it depends on how long they think Keith is going to be out for. Because um, it might be, unless Chris Russell's coming back any sometime soon, mm-hmm. um, it might be an opportune moment to trade. Like they've talked about trading for a lefty anyway, right? Right. That's, that seems to be in the cards, but... Yeah, Ken Holland never seems to be in too much of a rush uh, to do things, but we'll we'll see about that. Um, go ahead. Yeah, eleven four, three against in three games under uh, Jay Woodcroft. Eleven four, three against. 
Oh, that's a nice trend. That is indeed. Uh, Bruce, my number is 2255. That's Darnell Nurse's ice time tonight. He's been averaging um, 26, 24. So it's about, uh, that's uh, three minutes, three and a half minutes, I think. Mm -hmm. Less than a season average. So that's interesting. That's a big change. Um, they, and they had him out on the power play a lot where yes. I wouldn't have him personally. I don't think he adds much to the power play. He's not a particularly creative hockey player um, offensively. I mean, he can make good rushes and good shots, mm -hmm. but the power play is is something that, you know, I'd much rather see Tyson Berry or Evan Bouchard out there. So I don't quite understand the thinking there. Um, but he's playing less overall. And, um, I mean, they are going with seven defensemen, so there's more players to put out there. But that's an interesting change. McDavid and Drysaddle also playing less um, than normal. Oh, but. Uh, well, Drysaddle will actually play quite a bit, 23-28. Yeah. What did McDavid play tonight? 21-11. Uh, so they were, they were closer to there. And mm -hmm. Nuge was at 21. Of course, there was lots of PK time, so the Nuge was mm -hmm. going to get out more yes. tonight. Um, a special teams time. I don't know quite what to make of Nurse's ice time, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or what it's all about. Um, what do you, any thoughts on it? Just that it yeah. is. I didn't see him at his dynamic best tonight, let's put it that way. And when he is, there's usually crooked numbers all over the event summary. And here's one you don't often see from Darnell, zero shots on net. And just two shot attempts, even though he had four minutes on the power play in that 23 minutes of ice time. And in fact, all three guys that you would think for the power play, Barry, Nurse, and Bouchard, between the three of them, they had only two shots. So the orders weren't generating a lot from uh, from the back end tonight. But um, uh, I think with 7D, uh, you know, three lefty sharing the rest. I mean, there may be times where, where um, uh, uh, nurse's shift gets pinched one way or the other. Maybe he gets out late, or um, uh, not often that he's necessarily the one who leaves early. But uh, uh, he did play a massive nine minutes and twenty nine seconds on the two special teams combined tonight. Yeah. Well, here's and one theory, Bruce. He, mm -hmm. he was really struggling with all that ice mm -hmm. time at the end, mm -hmm. right? Like he's been a pretty high event player the last month getting a ton of ice time, but just kind of um, lots of mistakes, lots of big mistakes. And um, maybe they just want to settle him down a bit, like refocus him, get him playing solid defensive hockey, like have a good core to his game, which which for a defenseman is defensive play. Um, he's been very good this year overall, but maybe that's it. They're just trying to um, get him focused again on the, taking care of his own end in the defensive zone. And um, then maybe they'll, maybe he'll start to see, I mean, it's not like he's not seeing a lot of ice time. That's a lot of ice time. Um, it's just not the, the amount he was getting previously. So once he mm -hmm. gets uh, tuned into this, he, he was, he was okay tonight. Um, but I, I don't think I gave him a five out of 10. I didn't think he was, had a, had a, you know, any kind of a good game. He was just, he was just okay-ish. So. Well, tonight we had the four young guys who are right in a row on the event summary. Bouchard, 15.04, Niemelainen, 13.07, Lagesson, 14.51, Broberry, 11.56. So 
So basically 12, 13, 15 minutes apiece for the, and they were the four least on the team, but there's nobody that's getting like five or seven minutes or every game. They've had all seven guys have had at least 11 minutes in all three games that they've run with the seven. So they're all getting a reasonable chance. The goal, one guy who didn't get any ice tonight was Devin Shore, dressed in place of uh, Tyler Benson. He only played two minutes and 57 seconds. So he, did he know, get hurt? Happened to him? Oh, maybe yeah. because he disappeared from the game. Whether he got, whether he got uh, shorted on the, on the bench, or whether something happened to him, I didn't notice something happened to him, and then he kind of just went away. Well, it's interesting to go with three lines. I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these players are perfectly capable of playing that am- that amount of ice time, a third of the game. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Pulley RV, Kane, Yamamoto, Hyman, those wingers are all top six wingers, can be. And, of course, McDavid and Dreisaitl. So, um, yeah, lots of players out there. You know, Fogel can play. Um, we'll see how that goes if, if they go to more, like, just kind of a three-line system. And uh, was it McLeod was out there though at the end of the game on the PK and he he helped he played him get twelve the job minutes done. in this game McLeod yeah. like he's playing on both special teams and uh, uh, Woodcroft seems to be trying to give him a push and I for one don't mind that I think he's yeah. handling it he's a big fast player with some skill you know if he can play with more confidence and a bit more drive he can help the Oilers so. Already, Bruce. Well, Devin Shore here, and his last shift was three minutes into the second period. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wore my shirt again tonight because I wanted to show you. Look at this. Oh, I got the Turtle Island Oilers shirt, the one that they made for uh, for. uh, well, it was for Aboriginal Day on November first when they played Seattle, and they had this special. uh, shirt made for that particular game and you know how at the uh, beginning of every home game chief uh, Wilton little, little child does yeah. a little, the little uh, monologue where he talks about turtle island and they they're trying to incorporate the that into the Oilers logo and i i really like the result this is a very well done uh, lance cardinal i think the guy's name is that the design anyway this was uh, to me very successful i'll wear this shirt with pride also on game nights. So <laughs> I like it too. It would be an interesting third jersey concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really would. Yeah. But great in orange actually with this logo. But it's the color. So Yeah. Alrighty, Bruce. Well let's let's leave it there. We got uh right. it's another late night here. So uh good talking to you. Uh thanks for talking. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.